Hey y'all, and welcome back to my podcast, Heart Talk, with me, Kelly. So, it's great to talk with you again. It has been a long time, especially for this podcast series. So this is part two of Healing Parent Wounds. I did part one months ago, and I waited a while just to see how God would use it, if it would really benefit people, because it's such a sensitive topic. I... I wanted to pause um, and just watch God work (laughs) before I just leapt into the next part. And you guys loved that last one. And I don't know if I should be happy about it or or a little sad because it was the most listened to episode I've ever done on this Heart Talk channel. So... A lot of you needed it. And I, I'm glad that you came. I'm glad that you listened to it. And I, I hope that it helped. But it, it does break my heart that so many of you needed it. But parent wounds happen. And because they happen, it, it's a privilege um, to get to record this for you. And I, I pray that this second part helps as well. Today we're talking about anger. Because with parent wounds, with abuse and broken families, this is the most common response to that sort of stuff. Wounds from your family go deep because they're supposed to be your support system. And when your support system is broken, everything else about your life can feel off kilter, just sort of shaky. Um, I shared a lot about my childhood in the first episode. I'll share a little bit more here, but not as much because I want to focus on healing. So I'm, I'm just going to start with that point because I specifically wrote down here in my notes that wounds heal faster and more effectively when we focus more on the healing that Jesus wants to bring us than the wounds. That has been so true in my life. God has been really careful and diligent to love me in the places where my birth father broke me. So he wasn't aware when I was a kid that abusing me in the bathtub would cause years and years and years of like crying, tear-filled showers, (laughs) that, that it would cripple me emotionally for years. I don't think that he knew, but God did. And I think I shared this in the first part. That, that one day I was crying in the shower again because it just I would get into the shower, feel naked and afraid, and get triggered. Every time. I just did not like being naked ever, even with normal everyday stuff. So I was in the shower one day crying, <laughs> just trying my best to get through it. And I felt like the Holy Spirit just sort of said, talk to me. Talk to me. And so I started to talk to God and just like thanking him for just all the good in my life because though that that shower was tough I was out of my mom's house by then a lot had gone right so I I started praising him in the shower and now that's what I do and at, at some point those tears stopped and now the praise is all that's there and he's done the same thing in my bed I was abused in my bed um so I I never felt safe going to sleep and now I feel so safe because God has turned that into 
our little prayer spot, our little sacred space. He's taken a place where I was broken and he's made it sacred. And so that's what Jesus does. When you focus on him and you talk to him when you feel triggered or not safe, or you're in some place that reminds you of something that you've been through, or maybe you have to spend the evening with your family and that's not a good thing. Maybe it's just hard to be around them. If if we can go with Jesus, stand with Jesus, and really cling to him and, and make it about him, no matter what it is, he really will redeem that place and that moment. It's the coolest thing. One of my favorite chapters in the Bible. I cannot read it without getting <laughs> a little choked up and really excited. Is Isaiah chapter... 61, the whole thing is beautiful. And there are so many promises here. And God, in a way, he, he promises the very thing that I was just mentioning. That, that if you love on him where you are and focus on his love even more than the wound, he'll fill the wound. And then all that you'll have after a while is just the love of God. So here he says, starting in Isaiah 61, just right at the... Um, yeah, I'll just start from verse one because it's so good. So he's, um, this is Isaiah writing and he says, the spirit of the Lord God is on me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of our God's vengeance to comfort all who mourn. I'm going to say that last part again. To, to comfort all who mourn. To provide for those who mourn in Zion. To give them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. Festive oil instead of mourning. Other translations Instead of saying festive oil, it's called the oil of joy or the oil of gladness instead of mourning and splendid clothes instead of despair. And they will be called righteous trees planted by the Lord to glorify him. There's, there's a lot going on here. And it gets even better. I'm not done re reading from here. I might skip down to verse 7 here. It says, In the place of your shame, you will have a double portion. In place of disgrace, they will rejoice over their share. So they will possess double in their land, and eternal joy will be theirs. You know, there, there's so much that God wants to give you. There's so much love he wants to pour into your life. And he wants you to have a joy that runs so deep, you can barely stand it. I'd, I had no idea how happy I could be. Growing up, I was always so miserable. And I carried that into my adulthood. Just so miserable all the time. Scared of everybody. Suspicious of everybody. <laughs> really just terrified of the future because the past had been so bad. It's like, yeah, my expectations of the future are really high because, woo, it's been great so far. And then God swoops in 
And if you can give God your attention, give him your trust, he will not break it. God will not break your trust and he can make you whole. What he wants to do more than anything is, is take all the ashes in your life, take all the ugliness and darkness and replace it with him. You know, like I could get into, so here it says the, the crown of beauty instead of ashes and the oil of gladness and splendid clothes. God wants to give you everything. And in another part of this chapter in Isaiah 61, it, um, it, men- it mentions this new purpose that God gives us. So before where you were a victim, you're not a victim anymore. Now you get to be a rebuilder. So God rebuilds you and then he sends you out to rebuild other people and to help them wherever you can serve, however you can serve. It says in verse 4, they will rebuild the ancient ruins. They will restore the former devastations. They will renew the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. Strangers will stand and feed your flocks and foreigners will be your plowmen and vine dressers, but you will be called the Lord's priests. They will speak of you as ministers of our God. You will eat the wealth of the nations and you will boast in their riches. In place of your shame, you will have a double portion. I'm just going to read this again. In place of disgrace, they will rejoice over their share. So they will possess double in their land and eternal joy will be theirs. But at the beginning part in four, it mentions that we get to rebuild and restore and renew even the devastations that have been wrecked for generations. I mean, this verse just fits so perfectly with family, doesn't it? In my family, there was like a lineage of brokenness that I I felt like I inherited. And I remember a conversation that I had with my sister when I was about 17. We were on the phone. And... I just told her that I felt like I was born to be unhappy. I remember that. We were just talking about life, both of us depressed. (laughs) But we just had a conversation where I told her I'm afraid to be happy because something always goes wrong. I don't think I'm supposed to be. I think that this is the life that I was meant to have. And I was so angry when I told her that. And then even more angry when she said that she felt the same way. Because I had all these friends who just seemed to have everything. And didn't even realize what they had. And me and my siblings were like starting with less than nothing. Um, Just trying to build with scraps it felt like and and so for God to swoop in God man (laughs) God swoops in I mean if you're taking notes right now I want you to write down God swoops in God sees my life I'm meant to have joy because you are A lot of us feel like doomed from birth and I get it. Like maybe your parents divorced and now you feel like you're doomed to to get a divorce. 
or, or maybe your parents were just not great or just not there for you and now you feel completely unprepared for parenthood yourself. Maybe you've lost faith in love or lost faith in family. Maybe you don't trust men. I had that going on. And, you know, we feel this way and our parents probably felt this way because they were hurt by somebody. You don't hurt people unless you're hurting yourself. Hurt people hurt people, but guess what? God can heal us and make us whole and healed and whole people get to go out and heal other people. We can do an awful lot when we're not so consumed by our own pain anymore. Once God takes that pain, there's just so, so much else that, that we get to experience. Here in Jeremiah chapter 31, go ahead and flip there. So Jeremiah 31 verse 29, this one I claimed like crazy, starting from about the age of 18. I read it and it gave me a hope I had never felt before. It says, in those days it will never again be said, the fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. Rather, each will die for his own iniquity. Anyone who eats sour grapes, his own teeth will be set on edge. I know this sounds weird. It's got like, um, it's got a metaphor going on that the fathers eat sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. So it, it's meaning the fathers are, are getting into all sorts of stuff and it's leaving a dirty taste in their children's mouths. But now it's saying, in those days it will never again be said. This is those days that it's referring to. So we are under grace, redeemed by Christ, this is the day where we're all held accountable for our own sin. It's no longer passed down. It's a generational curse like it once be, like it once was. So this means that you can come from brokenness and not stay broken. That you can come from addicts and not be an addict. That you can come from a household of abuse and with the Lord's help, cultivate a loving, warm, welcoming house for your current family, your future family. This means that you can come from a divorced and broken home and have a beautiful, united, loving home and a lasting marriage. This means that there is hope for you and that the past can be in the past. You can start crummy and finish awesome. Just because you were handed bitter pills does not mean you have to swallow them. I love that. It goes right in with, with this verse. With this verse from Jeremiah about how our fathers can eat sour grapes and the sour taste can be in their mouths. If it passes to us, we can spit it out. Just because you're handed a bitter pill, it doesn't mean that you have to swallow it. And what I mean by that is, um, like, you might have woken up every day feeling angry over what happened to you, and that's understandable. God is angry over what happened. Like, did you know that? Because I didn't know that until somebody told me one day <laughs> um, that God is angry 
about what happened. He says in Isaiah that he hates robbery and iniquity. He hates injustice. I can't find that right now, but he does say it. Okay, I was just flipping. This is beautiful. The Lord has called me before I was born. He named me while I was in my mother's womb. Yeah, that's Isaiah 49, verse 1. And then in verse 4 he says, But I myself said I have labored in vain, I have spent my strength for nothing and futility, yet my vindication is with the Lord. And my reward is with my God. You know, I think that if if a person wanted to, they they really could stay angry their whole life over something that happened when they were, let's say, five or ten or fifteen. Then they could spend the next forty or fifty years. Of, of every day that God gives them feeling upset and hurt and they might even be justified in doing that and they might think it's justice but is it? it's hard to wrap your mind around it when you're looking at everything up close and you're replaying certain painful, ugly scenes in your mind, it's hard to see that the justice you're yearning for isn't, isn't a justice that's really going to do much good. So I wanted someone to like, I don't know, yell in my birth dad's face or call him out or arrest him or something, but still I would have been stuck with the effects of it either way. I thought that him going to prison would be justice, but I mean, he died when I was 17 and I would have been without a parent no matter what if he was in prison. I still would have felt abandoned and stuff. I mean, it wouldn't have been easier. Sometimes our pain, it can tell us lies. It comes in the form of like that bitter pill that like your anger is justice sort of a pill. It's lying to us. It's saying that you being angry, that's making them pay for, for what they did. But in reality, it took God forever to get this through my head. That whoever hurt you could never truly pay for what they did. They can't. The cost is too high. They're not even fully aware of all that they did. Like, yeah, they, they, they remember the wrong itself, but they don't know how deep that wrong went, how much it's affected you. They could never pay you back with what a sorry? A sorry can't fix it. It's a start. You know, there's power in repenting. But the only one who can truly bring the justice that we're looking for is Jesus. He's the only one who could pay for our personal wrongs on the cross. He's the only one that could re redeem us from death, and he's the only one that can redeem the past and everything that it did.
So one day, a couple years ago, I, I sat down in a moment in prayer and I just kind of asked God, what is real justice? What does that look like in my life? Like, you brought me through all this healing. Where are you taking me? Like, <laughs> I just knew that I wasn't finished yet. That, like, I had healed and, and I don't know how to phrase it, but I just asked him, what is real justice? Because even sometimes when somebody hurts me or, you know, when, when I feel wounded and betrayed in like a friendship, I still respond sometimes like a victim and I'll think that them making it right is like really groveling or I'll be passive aggressive and give them the silent treatment or something like that's not justice. That's not justice. And so God, he's, he's had to sort of rewire the way that I handle anger and real justice, friend. Real justice is you living completely free from your past in Jesus' name. Real justice is you being filled with the joy of the Lord instead of your bitterness. Instead of holding those bitter pills, you're holding much better things. Your hands are full. Like, can you imagine what living free from anger would look like? Trusting God to bring you justice. Like, okay, they can never pay me back for what they did. I'm letting them off the hook once and for all. And, and I'm going to trust God to make it right for them. Because he will. God, God can pay it back and he wants to. He says, like we, we read it earlier, that he plans to restore us double. And then he makes a similar promise. It's glorious. In the book of Romans, now here it's quoting Hosea, but I'm reading from Romans 9, verse 25, and it, uh, he promises, Remember the prophecy God gave in Hosea to those who were rejected and not my people, I will say to them, you are mine. And to those who were unloved, I will say, you are my darling. In another passage in Isaiah chapter 49, man, this one gets me. <laughs> it's starting in verse 15 through 16. Yahweh responds, but how could a loving mother forget her nursing child and not deeply love the one she bore? Even if a mother, even if there is a mother who forgets her child, I could never, no, never forget you. Can't you see? I've carved your name on the palms of my hands. Your walls are always my concern. So it mentions walls. Now, God, he's making this promise to Israel to protect Israel's walls and to always, or, or Jerusalem, to protect their walls and look out for them. But this is also a promise that can apply to each and every one of us. It doesn't matter who God is making the promise to in his word. If he's making a promise, it's for you because you're lumped in, you're grafted into the family of God, you are grafted onto that vine. So this applies to, to you. There is no longer Jew nor Gentile. So in the footnotes, it says, although this is an apparent reference to the walls of Jerusalem, 
there is an application for each one of us. Wherever you are today, your limitations, your walls are before God's eyes. He knows where you are and what you face. So you might be feeling really ang angry because for some reason your mom can't accept you or your dad just doesn't love you the way you're yearning to be loved or I don't know what happened. I don't know. Maybe they bailed. That stinks. I mean, I'm sorry that that happened. But, but, you have a Heavenly Father who loves you. So no matter what your earthly parents did or didn't do, you have a Heavenly Father who absolutely adores you. And sometimes you just have to look at what you have and not at what you don't have. And start there and decide, I don't, I don't have this. I mean, it is what it is. But God wants to give me so much more. And so sometimes you just have to trade your anger. Just kind of surrender it. Trust God to build something beautiful with it. To fill the holes. And, and to build on the foundation you have. But honestly, you have nothing to gain staying angry. And everything to gain by surrendering that anger. You have everything to gain from that. And so just may, maybe a good place for you tonight to start would be to just turn your attention towards God. And for a moment, just consider the possibility of him righting every wrong in your life. That, that it's possible that one day soon you could be completely whole. Like maybe, maybe you won't completely get over it, but it won't impact your everyday life anymore. And you could feel free and feel this deep sense of joy. Sometimes I'll stop in the middle of my day. So I, I work at the office for Heart of Hosanna for the first half of the day, and then I teach a bunch of five through eight-year-olds um, at an after-school program. So my days are crazy and busy, but I'll stop right in the middle of it and just sort of think about my life, how full it is. I love people. I love getting to be near them and and just just getting to love on them. It's, it's amazing. It's when I feel the closest to God because, you know, if you look close enough, I feel like you can see traces of God in somebody's face. So sometimes just being around people, no, no matter where I am, I'll just stop and just thank God. I have a joy that runs so deep. I never thought that I could be this happy, ever. I didn't think that it was for me. I never thought that I could wake up um, and look forward to the day ahead or, or, or see it as a blessing. And not like an uphill climb, <laughs> you know. Sometimes, you know, sometimes I think I have no right to be this happy. And it all began, like when I think back, it all began. It just, ju ju just thinking, God, just being angry, it's not working. <laughs> I want to see what trusting you looks like. And it took me somewhere beautiful.
Yeah, I wrote here that real justice is focusing on all that Jesus has done for you and what he wants to do for you in the future instead of what they owe you. Let it go and be free. Now, I'm not saying let it go as like a way to shut you up. Not trying to do that or, 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 or to say that what happened didn't matter. But I'm, I, I am saying that you have a God who loves you now. Like you've probably been through hell. <laughs> and I, I used this phrase in a book I wrote, and, and I'm going to say it here because it has marked my whole life. That Jesus, yeah, he, he, he came and died to, to save you from hell. And that is amazing and wonderful and miraculous. But Jesus, he also came and died to save you from the hell you've been through. And if you give that to him, he will not waste it. He will not lose it. He won't brush it under a rug or, or ask you to act like it never happened. He will heal you so completely <laughs> that you'll feel like a new person. And it'll be amazing. So... The whole point of this is just to encourage you to lay your anger down. Not not to brush away your anger. Anger itself is not a sin. It says this in Ephesians 4:26. It says be ang- be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. So it's not saying that anger is a sin. It's just saying don't be led by your anger. Don't, don't let the devil keep digging up the past every day and rubbing your face in it. So there, there has to come a time once and for all where you lay it down. But your anger itself is not a sin. It's a normal human response to pain. And God sees that. He validates that. And, and he's validating you and what you've been through by asking you to let the anger go and trust him with it and trust him with with your experiences to use them to help someone else God is going to rebuild you and then make you a rebuilder but but first there there's just there has to be a heart transformation that happens you need a happy ending to your story don't you I read in the news you know the these some stuff that people go through my goodness it Man, there's all sorts of ways that people suffer. It's awful. I mean, all the shootings that happen. And so sometimes pe- people kind of think that there's power in sharing their story. Like, yeah, there there is to a certain extent. But <laughs> it's not enough to just share your experiences. It's very important to um, have have something whole to share as well. My, my adopted daddy always says, if you send it out, you got to bring it back. And what that means is if you make a point, if you, um, if you share something serious or, 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 or something um, challenging, you have to bring it back with something encouraging. So a lot of you have been through some stuff that will really help somebody, but it can't until it has a happy ending. And God can bring you that. He can bring you wholeness and healing. Man, can he. And so if you let him, he'll use you for great and wonderful things. 
He wants to. He wants to use you so much. And um, I believe that a lot of you listening to, to this have a story to tell. Okay, so I would love to pray with you before I go. Dear Lord, I just pray that you would hold and affirm every heart that's listening to this right now. I pray that they would know that you see them, that you you hear them, and you love them, and that you acknowledge their past. You always have. And you were with them when they were going through it. You're with them now. They've never really been alone. They've never been unloved. You've always, you've always loved them. And so I just pray that, that you would give them the courage that it takes to trust you when the people closest to them have broken their trust. Please just reassure them that you won't. You're a good father. You're not just a father, you're a good one. You're, you're the best kind. And they can trust you with their life. They can trust you with their heart and with all those broken pieces that you're going to make something wonderful out of it all. And it's not for nothing. I just pray that this would be a turning point for them, that this would be the moment when they really surrender everything. And tomorrow they can wake up feeling lighter and not angry, that, that they would be, begin to really experience the joy of, of the, the Lord, your, your special brand of joy. I pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, just for everything that you've done and all that you're going to do. We love you, Papa. In your name, amen.